Community Investment and Infrastructure for Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I'd like to welcome members of the public who are streaming live or listening to us, as well as to the staff and others who will be participating in today's meeting. Following the guidelines set forth by local officials at this time, the members of this commission are meeting remotely to ensure the safety of everyone, including members of the public. We thank you for joining us today. Madam Secretary, please call the first item. Thank you, Mr. Chair. The first order of business is item one roll call. Commission members, please respond when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Commissioner Brackett is absent. Commissioner Ludlam. Present. Commissioner Scott. Present. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Chair Bustos. Present. Commissioner Brackett and Vice Chair Rosales are absent, but all other members of the commission are present. Mr. Chair, we have a quorum. The next order of business is item two announcements. Item A, is the, uh, item A, the next regular meeting is scheduled on Tuesday, November 15, 2022 at 1 p.m. B, announcement of public comment procedures. Please be advised a member of the public has up to three minutes to make pertinent public comments on each agenda item unless the commission adopts a shorter period on any item. During each public comment period, viewers online will be instructed to dial 415-655-0001, enter the access code, which is 2484-827-0132, press the pound sign and the pound sign again to enter the call. When prompted, press star three to submit your request to speak. When you dial star three, you will hear the following message. You have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear your line has been unmuted, this is your opportunity to provide your public comment and you will have three minutes. Please speak clearly and slowly and you will be placed back on mute once you are done speaking. You can stay on the line and continue to listen to the meeting, but you can also choose to hang up. If you are planning to provide a public comment on any items on today's agenda, it is recommended that you call the public comment line ahead of time to allow you to listen to the meeting live and to prevent you from experiencing delays caused by live streaming. Today's meeting materials are available on our website at sfocii.org under commission, then the public meetings tab. The next order of business is item three, report on actions taken at a previous closed session meeting, if any. There are no reportable actions. The next order of business is item four, matters of unfinished business. There are no matters of unfinished business. Next order of business is item five, matters of new business consisting of consent and regular agenda. First is the consent agenda. 5A, approval of minutes, regular meeting of October 18, 2022. Mr. Chair. Thank you. Madam Secretary, is there anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment? At this time, if there are members of the public who wish to provide public comment on the minutes, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2484-827-0132, press the pound sign twice, then press star three to be placed in the queue. If you, already, if you are already listening to us by phone, press star three if you would like to provide a comment. Um, Mr. Chair, it does not appear there are members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Thank you. Hearing no request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. Commissioners, may I get a motion for this consent item? 
Uh, Chair, before they start on that, I'd like to acknowledge that Commissioner Brackett did join us by phone. So she is here and I will unmute her right now. Great, thank you. May I have a motion? Mr. Chair, I move that this be approved. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? I would second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for the consent <laughs> item when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett? Yes. Commissioner Ludlam? Aye. Commissioner Scott? Yes. Vice Rosales is absent. Chair Bustos? Aye. <clears throat> Mr. Chair, the vote is four ayes, one absent. Thank you. The motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is the regular agenda, agenda item number 5B, authorizing a personal services contract with Urban Analytics LLC, a California limited liability company for fiscal consultant services in an amount not to exceed $84,000 related to the issuance of successor agency to the redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco tax allocation bonds to fund transbay infrastructure improvements and refund Mission Bay South subordinate tax allocation bond series 2016-D. Discussion and action, resolution number 38-2022. Director Koslowski. Thank you, Secretary Cruz and greetings members of the commission. Um, this item before you is a contract with Urban Analytics as Secretary Cruz say, stated. Uh, it is a, a finishing scope for the financing team as it was stated and John Dagle will present about what the fiscal consultant is doing. Um, this is related to future bond issuances for Transbay and for Mission Bay. And it'll be presented in detail by John Dagle, the agency's debt manager. John. Thank you, Director Keselowski. <clears throat> um, good afternoon, Chair Bustos, members of the commission. As um, adequately outlined by uh, uh, Director Keselowski. Um, this is a personal services contract with Urban Analytics for Fiscal Consultant Services. Next slide, please. And um, the only thing to uh, point out here really is that there, there are two projects, really three projects, that there are two Transbay projects, which may, the timing may permit the issuance of a single bond for $90 million. However, if the uh, timing is too uncertain and the project split in terms of time, uh, it may make sense to do two separate bond issues. So the contract allows for um, uh, payment of uh, the fixed fee three times uh, if, if there's a certain temporal separation in the bond issues because it would require redoing the fiscal uh, consultant's report um, if a certain amount of time passes. Um, and the second, of course, is the uh, refunding bond uh, for uh, Mission Bay. Next slide, please. Again, again the commission uh, recently uh, confirmed all the other contracts we need to get started on this one. And um, this was the final piece of the uh, initial puzzle uh, with Urban Analytics. Next slide, please. Uh, the fiscal consultant uh, projects revenue debt coverage and describes the fiscal and legal foundations of the uh, of the credit. Um, 
it's uh, it's it's generally a very exhaustive uh, discussion of of um, both the history and the uh, underlying um, support for the bonds. Uh, it's a critical piece uh, for investors and uh, and their analysts to to um, evaluate the uh, risk involved in the uh, repayment of the bonds. Next slide, please. Urban Analytics was selected uh, from a competitively established city panel and uh, their selection was based on uh, their depth um, and qualifications, their knowledge of OCII especially and their transaction experience in the post-dissolution environment. Um, the company is a San Francisco LBE and SBE. Next slide, please. The term is from um, today, uh, if assuming you uh, adopt this resolution, the not to exceed amount is uh, 84,000, which is a flat fee of 28,000 per bond. Uh, as pointed out earlier, that will be reduced, the 84 would be reduced by 28,000 should we do a single transpay bond rather than two. The funding source is uh, expected to be bond proceeds uh, based on a flat fee, however, um, if the uh, work is performed and the bonds end up not issuing, we will pay on an hourly basis uh, as uh, from operating funds as out, outlined in the uh, appendix uh, B. Next slide, please. But I should add in any case that would not exceed $28,000. So next step uh, uh, with the bonds would be the approval of um, documents for the sale of the uh, Transbay bonds and 2016D bonds in January, hopefully, and uh, subject to DOF approval, we would uh, go to Oversight Board in February. And um, in the spring, uh, we would do the Transbay bonds and uh, we will have to see about 26D, it'll depend, it's a refunding. So just as with refunding your uh, mortgage, it depends on market conditions. So the timing of that will be a little uncertain on the uh, refunding of Mission Bay 2016D. Uh, next slide, please. Next slide, please. I believe we invite public comment before uh, questions. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Mr. Dingle. Uh, Madam Secretary, do we have anybody from the public who wishes to provide a comment? If there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on item 5B, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2484-827-0132, press the pound sign and then the pound sign again, then press star three to submit your request to speak. You'll, um, if you are already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment on this item, press star three on your mobile devices. Mr. Chair, it does not appear there are any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. All right, hearing no request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. I'll now turn to my fellow commissioners for any comments or questions they have, they may have. Uh, Commissioner Brackett, may we start with you? Not at this time. Okay. Commissioner Ludlam, any questions or comments? No questions from me. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Scott. 
just to thank John for the report. No questions or comments, sir. Great. Thank you. Uh, pretty straightforward. So may I have a motion for item number 5B? Chair, Chair. I would uh, Go ahead. I would provide that uh, motion to approve this contract. Thank you, Commissioner Ludlam. I second that motion, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please respond. Oh, please announce your vote when I call your name. Uh, this is for item 5B. Commissioner Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Chair Bustos. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote is four ayes, one absent. Thank you. Motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Agenda item numbers 5C through 5H related to Transbay Block 2 will be presented together but acted on separately. Item 5C is adopting environmental review findings pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act related to the approval of amendments to the redevelopment plan of the Transbay Redevelopment Project Area and the development controls and design guidelines for the Transbay Redevelopment Project, the schematic designs for the development of two mixed-use residential projects on Block 2 of Zone 1 of the Transbay Redevelopment Project area and related actions such as activities, such activities being within the scope of the previously approved Transbay Terminal Caltrain Downtown Extension, Redevelopment Project Final Environmental Impact Statement, Environmental Impact Report, a Program Environmental Impact Report, and adequately described therein for purposes of the California Environmental Quality Act, Transbay Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action, Resolution number 39-2022. Item 5D is approving the report to the Board of Supervisors on the amendment to the redevelopment plan for the Transbay Redevelopment Project area in connection with the development of a mixed-use res residential project on Block 2 of Zone 1 of the Transbay Redevelopment Project area and authorizing transmittal of the report to the Board of Supervisors, Transbay Re Redevelopment Project area, discussion and action, Resolution number 40-2022. 5E is approving an amendment to the redevelopment plan for the Transbay Redevelopment Project area in connection with the development of a mixed-use residential project on Block 2 of Zone 1 of the Transbay Redevelopment Project area, referring the plan amendment to the Planning Commission for its report and recommendation to the Board of Supervisors, recommending the plan amendment to the Board of Supervisors for adoption, Transbay Redevelopment Project area, discussion and action, Resolution number 41-2022. 5F is approving an amendment to the development controls and design guidelines for the Transbay Redevelopment Project in conjunction with the approval of two mixed-use affordable re residential projects at Transbay Block 2, Transbay Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action, Resolution number 42-2022. 5G is conditionally approving the schematic design of a mixed-use affordable housing project of approximately 184 rental units, approximately 1,959 square feet of re retail space, and an approximately 6,447 square foot child care facility at the eastern half of Block 2 of Zone 1 of the Transbay Redevelopment Project Area. Transbay Redevelopment Project Area Discussion and Action Resolution Number 43-2022. 
and 5-H conditionally approving the schematic design of a mixed-use affordable housing project of approximately 151 rental units for seniors in approximately 2,945 square feet of commercial space at the western half of Flock 2 of Zone 1 of the Transbay Redevelopment Project Area. Discussion and Action Resolution Number 44-2022. Director Kozlowski. Thank you, Secretary Cruz, and greetings, members of the Commission, members of the public. Um, this is another big affordable housing contribution in the Transbay Project Area. Uh, over 300 units of 100% affordable on the former temporary terminal block facing Folsom Street. It's a very big block. Um, and this is two projects, the family and the senior project, uh, going towards the overall goal of affordability in the area of Transbay of 35%. We plan to have this project start construction in 2024, and the details of which will be presented by Kim Opsfeld, a Senior Development Specialist here at OCII. Kim. Thanks very much. Got the presentation. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, members of the commission. I'm Kim Obstfeld, a Senior Development Specialist on the housing team at OCII. Very pleased to present the designs and related items uh, for Transbay Block 2. I'll provide an overview of key aspects of the program and talk through the requested amendments to the Redevelopment Plan and Development Controls and Design Guidelines, or DCDG, and the Environmental Review Findings. Uh, the project architects are here with us and walk, we'll walk you through the schematic designs. Next slide, please. A brief background on the plan area. The Transbay Redevelopment Plan Area was established in 2005 with the intent of alleviating the blight caused by freeway demolition after the 1989 earthquake, uh, generating funding for a new Transbay terminal and creating a new mixed income residential area with a minimum of 35% of new units restricted for affordability. The plan area is split into two zones. Land use in zone one is administered by OCII and zone two is administered by the planning department. OCII has made quite a bit of progress in realizing the vision for zone one with over 2000 residential units completed to date of which over 700 are affordable. Next slide, please. This image shows the proposed buildings on block two in orange and yellow in the greater context of the neighborhood as it's developed uh, in the redevelopment planned area and beyond. Block two is the southern third of the site formerly used as the temporary Transbay terminal, which will be split between blocks two, three, and four, uh, as well as the extensions of Clementina and Tahama streets. With development complete on the adjacent blocks to the east and west, block two is a key remaining site to be built to, to finish building out the neighborhood. Next slide, please. And a quick uh, background on block two to date, OCII issued a request for proposals or RFP for the site in 2020. The RFP sought a development team for the design, development and long-term ownership of affordable housing serving seniors and families. The RFP anticipated certain deviations from the DCDG to maximize housing opportunities and to align with the adjacent projects as constructed. In April 2021, the Commission approved an Exclusive Negotiations Agreement, or ENA, and pre-development loan agreements for the project. The ENA and loan agreements established that while development of Block 2 will be highly coordinated with the cohesive design elements, uh, the block will be developed with two distinct and individually financed, owned, and operating, operated buildings, um, which we refer to as the 2 West Project and the 2 East Project. Next slide, please. 
The Two West project will serve low-income senior households with a portion of, of units set aside for formerly homeless seniors. Chinatown Community Development Center, or CCDC, is the developer and will be the long-term owner and operator and will provide resident services. Methune is the lead architect on Two West and Kerman Morris Associates is the associate architect. The Two East project will serve low-income families and formerly homeless families. It will be developed, owned, and operated by Mercy Housing. Mercy will also provide overall resident services and Episcopal Community Services will support the formerly homeless households with case management, uh, linking those families to resources and programs. Wu Yi has been selected as the operator of a childcare facility on the site, and the Two East building is designed by Kennerly Architecture and Planning along with YA Studio. And Plural Studio is the landscape architect site-wide. Next slide, please. Overall, Block 2 will provide 335 residential rental units with 151 senior units on 2 West and 184 family units on 2 East. On 2 West, affordability levels will range from 15 to 60% of the area median income, or AMI. Uh, units serving formerly homeless households will, will be supported through the city's local operating subsidy program, and units serving extremely low-income seniors will be supported by the city's senior operating subsidy program. Uh, units are a mix of studios and one bedrooms, and the building includes three ground floor retail spaces. On 2 East, affordability levels are anticipated to range from 30% to 70% AMI, and the building will include a range of unit types from studios to three bedroom units. The building includes two ground floor retail spaces and a childcare facility that is expected to serve approximately 45 children. Both buildings will include secured class one bicycle parking and there is no vehicular parking on the site. Next slide, please. Block two is exceptionally well located with regard to transit access. It's within close walking distance to local bus and rail stops, as well as regional transit. In addition, the neighborhood offers dedicated car share spaces and bike share stations and monthly parking is available at nearby garages. The developers do recognize that a lack of parking can be challenging for some households and will support residents through access to transit passes, programs to distribute food on site, and making connections to specialized transit providers. In addition, Mercy and CCDC will ensure that marketing and lease up materials clearly state the lack of parking both in the building and in the greater neighborhood to properly set expectations with prospective tenants. Uh, next slide, please. That concludes the program overview. And with that, I will turn it over to Owen Kennerly to introduce the design. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, good afternoon, members of the public. Uh, Owen Kennerly, co-principal of Kennerly Architecture and Planning, uh, prime architect on Block 2 East family building, working with Mercy Housing and YA Studio uh, to deliver this amazing project. Uh, next slide, please. And while the Site Block 2 will have two independent buildings, uh, two separate buildings, a senior building and a family building with separate developers, separately financed, and different design teams. We are taking a really collaborative, integrated approach to the entire block to create one unified ensemble uh, on this really important site within the Trans Bay. Uh, aspects include block-wide streetscape and landscape design, uh, being designed by Plural, a landscape architecture firm, um, retail a strategy about retail across the whole block that's integrated, uh, a sense of unified materiality and sensibility around that. And then also uh, the townhouse frontage facing the new Transbay Park. This block will be the fourth wall of that 
uh, fabulous new urban room. And so we've approached it with a, a degree of rigor uh, and a, a module of bay windows and stoops that will activate that facade in a kind of even coherent manner. Next slide, please. First diving into landscape and site design. Uh, block two is unique in the Transbay district in that it is bounded by uh, uh, the two streets, Beale and Main running north-south, Clementina and Folsom with a park on the north side and Folsom on the south side. As such, it is a block without a back. Every frontage is important and needs to be activated and addressed in a very thoughtful manner. In addition to those four frontages, there's also a fifth frontage, which is a central muse that would be uh, open to the public that basically links as a public space um, from Folsom Street to the new park. Next slide, please. Uh, so Plural Studio has basically approached the landscape and urban design of the streetscape in a very coherent and cohesive manner, consistent with all the other standards within the Transbay Master Plan, uh, starting with Folsom Street on the south, the double LA of trees, uh, with the retail frontages there and the building lobbies there, uh, and the 15-foot wide setback, so it's a very broad uh, boulevard sidewalk. On Clementina, we have the line of trees mirroring the trees in the new park across the way. Three different crossing points, one at Main, one at Clement, uh, one at Beale, and one mid-block that aligns with the Muse. So folks will be able to connect from the Muse to the park safely. Um, on Main Street and uh, Beale Streets, uh, there's a lot of constraints through um, the uh, two-way cycle track, track on Beale and uh, other improvements on Main Street. Um, so we will be activating in the corners of these of the block at these two streets, as well as providing um, some back of house access points along Main and Beale in the mid block there as well. Next slide, please. Uh, the Clementina frontage is very important to us, as we mentioned, this the that that um, forming that fourth wall to the park. And this is just some detailed views showing the stoops. On the left is the senior building stoops, uh, the stair steps with private patios, um, a sense of eyes on the street and this interaction between residents and the public realm. Uh, on the right is a similar view of the family building and how that's occurring. So each block, each parcel or each building, block two east and two west will have four stoops each. Um, and then block two west will have uh, anchoring retail and block two east will have a child care access in addition to those stoops. Next slide, please. A closer look at the muse in the internal courtyards here. So there will be that muse connecting through. It'll be activated with outdoor seating and for the retail spaces flanking it, um, public art, uh, considerable planting. And at the middle of the courtyard, uh, there will be uh, a sort of accent elements within the landscape itself that draws uh, uh, attention and circulation into the senior courtyard. And on the right side would be uh, the child court care courtyard there. Next slide, please. And then just some views in there on the left is a view looking north. Uh, at the midpoint of the muse there, you see the senior courtyard on the left. Um, some um, vendor opportunities uh, that might happen within that space as well as built-in street furniture and, and for the public to hang out on and um, enjoy the view and the sunlight. On the right is a view looking from Clemens Street back toward Folsom Street and see the, uh, the lush planting that flanks that access. Next slide. Retail strategy is going to be integrated as we mentioned. And while CCDC will be the owner and operator of the senior building and Mercy, the owner and operator of the family building, all the retail will be managed um, in a kind of holistic sense by uh, the uh, commercial team at 
Mercy Housing. So that the retail spaces, which add up to about 5,000 square feet in retail, and then about 6,400 square feet for the childcare. So there's a kind of coherent um, uh, strategy around all that, all those uses that will be happening in those different spaces. And you can see as they range from um, about 700 square feet up to 1,400 square feet in size. And um, Julia Katz from Mercy Housing is on the call to answer any questions, if there should be any questions or comments. Next slide, please. This is just some views of those two of some of those corner retails spaces on the senior building on the left is the retail at the corner of Beale and Folsom. Uh, it's a double height retail space. Similar on the family building, we'll have double height retail spaces on the corner of the Muse and on uh, Main and Folsom. And this is a view of that. In the foreground of that image on the right, you'll see you see the retail space that's at the corner of Folsom and the Muse and the senior building. So it's a wonderful frontage along Folsom, lots of activity, four different retail spaces and two different building lobbies, uh, bringing vibrancy and life to that street frontage. Next slide, please. Materiality, uh, this is something that while the buildings will look distinctive and, and distinct from one another, um, we are mindful of all the variation, the diversity of architecture and um, eras in which all the buildings in the surrounding context have been built. Uh, so we are looking to form a kind of integrated composition with those existing structures. Uh, thinking about the different colors, the different chroma, the different sort of textures and skins of those buildings and integrating a lot of those into our design. Next slide, please. Most specifically is the use of precast concrete and uh, working with texture, uh, integral color, uh, stone aggregate to create a material palette that has a sort of dignified um, stateliness and durability. Uh, so this will be material and, and architecture for the ages. Next slide, please. So just want to review a couple of details about livability within the family building, and then we'll turn it over to the Methune team, the architects of the senior building, uh, to review some details on that project. So next slide, please. One of the biggest challenges with the family building is that this will, will be 184 units. Uh, the population of this building with families may be on the order of uh, you know, 1,000 people potentially living in this building with lots of children. Um, it is a 17-story building, so it is a high-rise. And as a high-rise family building, it's really important that we, we conceive the building as a vertical community. As such, we have three social hubs proposed for the project that occur at different levels going up the building. And one at the first floor forming the lobby, a double height lobby on Folsom Street, one at the sixth floor opening out to a verdant roof deck over the townhouse bar facing the park, and then one at the 16th floor at the top of the building, also a, with, a commu with community space and uh, open space on the top of the building. The building itself is structured as three separate volumes, each given its, its different color palette, uh, and those volumes are broken apart, broken apart and separated uh, to express those internal social hubs. So you can see that um, large double height space that forms a double height community room at level six and seven opening out to that roof deck and then at the top of the building as well. Next slide. So here you see on the left, a floor plan on the ground floor of the family building. We have the two corner retails spaces on Folsom uh, and yellow, uh, the 6,400 square foot childcare facility in the mid block um, accessed and opening up to Clementina. And then we have in the mid block on Folsom, uh, the lobby for the residents there. And then on the right, you can see going up in the building to uh, level six, we have that large community room, have a kitchen, space for after school programming and other community events that then spills out 
and opens out to this uh, beautiful roof deck that overlooks uh, Transbay Park. Next slide, please. Going up through the building, it was really important to us that in a dense high-rise environment downtown, that residents always have this connection to the outside world. So the corridors have daylight coming in from two directions. So as soon as you get off the elevators, you can see straight out of the building. And then as you turn the corner down the corridor up to the north, you also get another view out of the building uh, down into Transbay Park. Um, and so that occurs all the way up and down through the building, which is wonderful. And then at the 16th floor, we have another community space, that yellow space on the drawing on the right that also opens to another roof deck at that level. There will be community laundry rooms in each one of these three social hubs. So overlooking in the double height lobby will be a community laundry room. At the level six community space, there'll be another laundry room and then also at level 16. So these will be activities and functions that bring people together on a daily basis to build community within this high rise format. Next slide. And then the mid-block uh, childcare facility. So the, the open space parcel within the family building, the block two east uh, uh, lot parcel will be um, used by the child care center for open space. The child care center is designed uh, to be for 47 children, including uh, preschool age children on level two with an outdoor deck overlooking the rest of the mews and the courtyard. And then at the ground floor will be infants and toddlers. Um, with their outdoor space there as well, because they do have to have separate outdoor spaces. Uh, Wu Yi is the childcare provider that's been selected, and we've been working with them very closely to make this a very integrated and fine-tuned facility. Uh, thank you, and I'm going to hand this back over to the Methune team and Sade Bourget, who's going to walk you through the senior building and the fly-through of the overall site. Thank you. Thanks, Helen. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, go to the next slide. Uh, next slide, please. So we began with the massing uh, predicated by the design guidelines and started thinking about a jewelry box. It's really a simple volume made beautiful with pattern, relief, and texture. And we like this as a guiding concept for the exterior, but also on the interior. This being a senior building, many of the residents are condensing a lifetime into their smaller units. Uh, next slide, please. This is the view at the corner of Folsom and Beale, and you can see the patterning and the focus on color and texture to give the building the materiality and playful rhythms of a residential building. Uh, Owen already went over the materiality, which we felt was important um, for the uh, kind of masonry feel of the residential um, buildings here. The ground floor is mostly open and transparent uh, with retail spaces at the corners and canopies overhead with space for signage. Next slide, please. The ground floor plan on the left locates the retail spaces in yellow at the corners. As Owen already mentioned, that's important as our block-wide, part of our block-wide strategy. Um, but a key to this plan is the main building lobby at the center of the building uh, with views from Folsom through to the courtyard. So you get a peekaboo view as you're walking past into the green space. <clears throat> um, the, uh, uh, on the um, Clementina side, we've got the uh, townhome scaled volumes with private stoops and entries onto the, uh, leading onto the park. And on the right, we've got the fifth floor layout with the uh, community room opening onto the uh, deck, roof, roof garden deck uh, facing Clementina, um, smaller washer and dryer space, and then the kind of typical layout of the residential units uh, that goes all the way up through the building. Next slide, please. And finally, the view from Clementina and Beale, the large corner retail space 
um, that's that's uh, really serves as amenity for the park as well. Uh, the townhouse volumes with the roof garden above and the fifth floor community room defined by a large corner window. And then again, along Clementino, we have the private unit stoops and entries at the base. And I think that completes our presentation here. We have a uh, video um, that I'll narrate. And it's a little bit uh, jerky in the, uh, uh, in the video, but uh, <laughs> the original is smooth, so you have to bear with it a bit. I assume it's playing. Great, thank you. So we'll start here at the aerial view, just looking at how the block relates to the surrounding buildings in the park. You can see how the massing steps down from east to west, and then again along the park, Clementina Street with the fifth floor gardens above those townhouse volumes. We've dropped down to the street level at the northwest corner, looking down Beale. We have the cafe retail space at the corner, activating the corner and providing an amenity for the park. And then views along Clementina, the rhythm of the townhouse volumes, private stoops and entries. You can also make out the roof garden above. Now passing by the Muse, the childcare lobby, and pedestrian access through to Folsom. <clears throat> and the family building continuing the rhythm of stoops, private entries, and the townhouse volumes. Dropping down on Main Street with a peek at the roof gardens. And now moving west down Folsom, you can see how the tower holds and defines the corner. Folsom facade with ground floor retail, spaces on the, on the right, the building lobby on the left, and the related and complementary facade designs utilizing color, texture, and pattern to create a residential scale and intricate streetscape. Now moving south on Beale. In a pedestrian view showing the corner retail space, the wide sidewalks, the canopies above, passing past the residential lobby for the senior building. And now shifting and walking west on Folsom with the family building lobby on the right and the corner restaurant space opening onto the Muse. Moving through the Muse back to Clementina, there's a little retail coffee cart there on the left. And then we're gonna look into the senior courtyard space and head back out. We have the childcare entry on the right and another view from the park looking at the Clementina facade. Great, thank you, Sade. Um, yeah, thank you. 
pull um pull up the presentation one more time, please. What are we waiting for? There we go. Okay. Yeah, and I can continue as, as we get that presentation teed up. Um, oh, next slide, please. Uh, based on the proposed massing, the development team is requesting an amendment to a bulk standard in the Transbay Redevelopment Plan, which is applicable to buildings from 85 feet to 250 feet in height. For Block 2, this standard applies only to the mid-rise building on 2 East. The amendment would increase the maximum floor plate standard for floors above 85 feet, allowing for additional developable area. This amendment would result in a more efficient and more cost-effective design and allow for additional affordable units without an increase to the overall height of the mid-rise. Next slide, please. In addition, the project will seek an amendment to the DCDG. The approach will be to incorporate an alternative development scenario for Block 2, which is consistent with the approach we recently took for Block 4. The amendment would eliminate the townhouse frontage requirement and related setbacks along Main and Beale Streets, as was anticipated in the RFP, and will allow for an increase to the maximum number of floors on the townhouse parcels. The DCDG calls for, for ground floor commercial spaces along the pedestrian muse. Instead, the project as proposed will provide a mix of retail, childcare, and resident amenity space along the muse. Another key change is to the open space parcel. The DCDG specifies that specifies areas that should be held as open space along the muse and in the courtyards of both sides of the block. On the east side, where we have programmed a childcare facility, a portion of the childcare indoor facility on the ground floor um, would encroach onto that open space parcel, and the outdoor open space would be elevated to the roof and used as an additional outdoor play space for the second floor classrooms of the childcare facility. There are also several changes that relate to the massing for 2 East, where the middle portion of the site along Main Street is currently designated in the DCDG as a podium parcel and restricted to 85 feet in height. Uh, this portion is proposed to become a mid-rise parcel with heights at 144 and 165 feet. Approval of the aspects of the DCDG amendment that relate to the mid-rise massing uh, would be conditional upon approval of the plan amendment by the Board of Supervisors. Next slide. On October 26th, OCII issued the 10th addendum to the Transbay Terminal Caltrain Downtown Extension Redevelopment Project Final Environmental Impact Statement, Environmental Impact Report, or the EIS-EIR. It confirms that the amount of development on Block 2 studied in the EIS-EIR exceeds the amount of development now proposed on Block 2. The addendum includes wind and shadow analyses re related to the, projects, the proposed project's changes in height and bulk, and concludes that the, the changes would not create significant impacts with regard to pedestrian level wind conditions or shadow effects. A shadow study found that the proposed changes to height and bulk would add limited shadow on nearby open spaces, including 0.8% net new shadow on the planned Transbay Block, Transbay Block 3 Park. The addendum finds that the revisions to the EIS-EIR project associated with the proposed project would not cause new significant impacts that were not already identified in the EIS-EIR, nor would the proposed project cause significant impacts that were previously identified to become substantially more severe. Therefore, staff request that the commission confirm the findings that no supplemental environmental review is required beyond the 10th addendum. Next slide, please. 
With your approval today, we'll move on to seek approval of the redevelop redevelopment plan amendment for the two East project with hearings at the Planning Commission and Board of Supervisors. The develop development team will pursue funding sources, continue to develop the designs and seek permits. Um, we do anticipate coming back to the commission next year with ground leases and gap loans for both buildings in hopes of uh, beginning construction in 2024 with completion in 2026. Next slide, please. That concludes the presentation. We do have many representatives from the development and design teams here that I wanna just briefly introduce and then we can turn it over to questions. Um, for Mercy Housing, we have Michael Kaplan, Barbara Gualco, and Taji Louisville from the development side. We have Julia Katz from Mercy Commercial, Lori Warnick from Property Management, and Shana Hurowitz from Resident Services. We have Megan Lockett here from Episcopal Community Services, and Mike Newman from Wu Yi, uh, the child care provider. On the Two East Design team, we have Owen Kennerly and Brian Streisick from Kennerly Architecture and Planning, and Carrie Ribchensky from Plural Studio. On the two west side from CCDC, we have Abby Brown, Joanna Ladd, and Judy Kwong from the development side. And on the two west design team, we have Nick Waipoi Sade, who just spoke, and Melissa Perkinson. And from Kerman Morris, we have Toby Morris and Elizabeth Kerman Morris. We also have a, a number of OCII staff members who participated in uh, the development of this project. We're all happy to answer your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Madam Secretary, is there anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment before we go to commission questions? Thank you, Mr. Chair. At this time, if there are any members of the public who wishes to provide public comment on these items, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2484-827-0132, press the pound sign and then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star three on your mobile devices to enter the queue. If you're already on the phone and would like to provide public comment, please press star three. Mr. Chair, it does not appear we have any callers who would like to provide public comment. All right, hearing no requests, I'll close public comment. I'll now turn to my fellow commissioners for any questions or comments that, uh, that they may have. Uh, commissioners, we are going to be talking about all the items in this particular comment period, but we will be acting upon them each separately. So I just wanted to just remind you of that. Um, so, uh, Commissioner Ludum, do you have any comments or questions regarding this project? I think you're on mute, Commissioner. Sorry. If you're speaking. Thank you. Um, Yes, I had a question about the family housing. Um, I see that half the units are studios and one bedrooms. Uh, so I was wondering how uh, the project team thought about that and um, who will live in those units. Sure, thank you. Um, Michael Kaplan at Mercy, do you wanna take that question? Sure, um, I, you know, part of it is, um, both efficiency of the design, the floor plate size, and and I can let the architects jump in as far as like the light and air to each unit. Um, but also just that both um, getting a mix, a diverse community, and then also um, adding in some smaller units to improve the financeability of the building. Um, right now, the major metric for our funding sources is cost per unit. So having some smaller units does help reduce 
the uh, overall cost per unit by having smaller units in there to offset the larger two and three bedroom units that we have. Um, but typically, 50% um, of two, two bedrooms and three bedrooms is already a lot. As, as Owen mentioned, you know, we have 184 units. We're going to have a large amount of families uh, living here and um, in a pretty condensed space. So to balance 50% um, larger units with larger families with having some smaller units, um, you know, will give us a diverse community and kind of help us maintain the size of, of, of this building and the population. So would you say that calling it a family housing project is a branding exercise? You know, I think in affordable housing, family is the, the broad, the broadest category other than supportive housing, senior housing. It just means that anyone is eligible to apply and live there. It's not restricted to a certain um, uh, type of, of, of resident that lives there. Um, but, you know, there are small families that will live in one bedrooms because a one bedroom, you can have up to three uh, uh, residents in a one bedroom unit. So, fam uh, you know, a single parent with a child is, is quite common in a one bedroom. Okay, so uh, the intended, these will go through the same MoCD selection process as other affordable projects? Correct. Okay, got it. Thank you. Uh, no other questions for me at this time. No, All right, Commissioner, thank you so much for bringing that up. <laughs> um, Commissioner Brackett. Commissioner Brackett, if you are on mute, uh, we cannot hear you. Or if you have no questions, then that's fine too. Uh, why don't we go to Commissioner Scott? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just a question, a uh, couple, regarding uh, the family units again. And um, I had a question similar to um, Commissioner Lepland's. Um, the number of studios and one bedrooms for a family is pretty small. And we've had a lot of families that were disappointed because as they started their families or just had one child moving in, family increases, then they're stuck trying to figure out where do they live or do they stay there crammed in. Uh, my question goes towards the um, announcements that in 2023, a lot of the programs for food insecurity or the food deserts are going to cease. How do you ensure, or had you thought about how you're going to ensure that a program will exist to bring in food for families to help them uh, due to, you know, no parking um, and not being close to affordable stores? Um, how do you ensure that the stores that are close by in walking distance will be healthy and affordable? So I, I'll, I'll just start uh, and then I'll let both Shauna and Julia jump in because I think there's really two answers here. One is from the services side of things and then one is about our retail strategy for um, the retail spaces for the entire block. 
Um, but I can say that, you know, at, at Natalie Gubb Commons, which is another Percy um, affordable housing development across the, across Beal in Trans Bay, we do have um, a food bank that comes a couple of days a week. And I'll let Shauna jump in and just explain our partnerships and how and how that works. Yeah, thank you. Hi. Um, yep. So what we do at our other properties in the area um, is we have partnerships with both um, the food bank, uh, San Francisco. Uh, Marin Food Bank, um, and we do on-site food distributions once a week. Um, it's available to all the residents in the building. Um, we also have a partnership with Food Runners, which is a local um, organization that will bring food in um, from other resources like um, Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or you know other grocery stores that they go in partnership. With. So they bring that food on site. Um, mm. So we do have both those distributions plus emergency food available um, to residents who are in need of food. Um, we also, we have our on-site service coordinators between Mercy Housing and ECS. Um, we're available to also help people with uh, access to other related um, resources, um, whether it's, you know, they need assistance, um, seeing if they're eligible for CalFresh, um, maybe WIC, you know, any other programs that we could possibly refer them to. That's what we're there for. Wonderful. Thank you, Shana. You're welcome. Also, um, for the child care as well as the family um, facilities, the buildings, the units, in light of all of the violence, um, I haven't heard anything about security. And that's just about a must with anything and everything schools, daycares. It's sad, but the truth is we need serious security and I haven't heard anything about that. Thank you commissioners. Owen do you do you want to speak to that or perhaps um, Mike from Wu Yi if you want to jump in on the on it specific to the child care facility? Well let me go ahead and start. We have a single point of entry into the building and that door is locked at all times. So when families come in they'll buzz we'll see who's there and then they'll ring them in. I agree with you, Commissioner. It's on our mind every day. I have uh, 13 child care centers in San Francisco, some in uh, some of the more interesting neighborhoods in the city. Uh, and we have been successful at knock on wood. We have had no incidents in my 10 years with Wu Yi. Uh, but to your point, uh, we look at security in a very high fashion. Uh, the, main, the main entrance, does have a video camera, does have an intercom, and, <clears throat> and is locked at all times. Does that kind of answer you. your question? Yeah, I mean, that we, we, pay a lot, we pay a lot of attention to what's going on. That's good. And that helps with the child care. What about the residential side, the housing? What do you have in mind for security? Desperately needed today. So we will have um, front desk coverage 24 seven to make sure that there's always someone um, on site at all times monitoring the, the front entrance of the building. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Brackett. Any questions or comments? 
Yes, um, I had a quick comment. Um, if I can get some clarification on um, the senior housing side, I believe that's um, Building West. It shows that the manager's unit is going to be a two bedroom and everything else in the building is going to be a studio or one bedroom. Can someone give me some update on that or why that was chosen as this um, selection? Thanks, Abby. Abby, do you want to take that question for to West? Sure. Hi. Um, I also have uh, Joanna Ladd here for some institutional memory, but um, I know that we can often have challenges filling this role uh, with other, at our other properties, and this is a way um, of having um, someone stay, you know, longer and tenure at the building and create relationships with residents, um, and to have them, you know, stay long term. Um, but Joanna, I don't know if there's anything that you'd like to add institutionally about that? Yeah, just just what Abby already had said, um, you know, we want the role to be able to be available to folks with families. And um, so we want to provide a family size unit for kind of maximum flexibility for that resident manager. Anything else, Commissioner Brackett? Um, yes, um, also wanted to get some more information on how you guys um, plan to divvy up more of the retail space. I know um, in our general plan, it says that there's three separate areas, but seeing the um, high amount of retail vacancies, as well as um, the slow recovery post-COVID, including, you know, startups and new businesses, um, how do you guys um, expect to um, lease out the space or possibly cut them down to just smaller um, retail locations, which has been kind of like the trend that we're seeing with businesses now, smaller spaces, et cetera. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, if, I'm going to send that question to Julia Katz with Mercy Commercial. Yeah. Hi, thank you. Um, Commissioner, that's an excellent question and um, something that we think about a lot on all of our projects since 2020. Um, the spaces that we are bringing in to Transbay 2, I think are very thoughtfully sized. Um, we have some spaces that are um, between 500 and 1,000 square feet, which could appeal to a smaller business owner who isn't looking for a large space, but um, could afford a smaller space. And since we are the way that we work is we have low market rate rents for all of our spaces. So um, the goal for us is to bring in affordable uh, resources and, and services, food to the people living upstairs and people in the community. And so in order to do that, we need to keep rents low and attract businesses that have low price points. So um, we are really intentional about the sizes of the spaces and we um, work differently than a lot of other groups. You know, we're, we're really trying to cultivate relationships with small businesses, with incubation programs, with uh, small business services, providing services with CDFIs, providing loans to small businesses so that we can find really good fits for these spaces. And, um, you know, create uh, relationships for the, the community upstairs and around and also for the small business owners. Um, I'm happy to talk further, but that's kind of 
the, the first uh, answer there. Um, would love to understand also what type of outreach has been done in the larger business community to see what the demand is for various different sizes of spaces and if that has been done already on this project. That's a, a great question. We, um, you know, we have commercial spaces across San Francisco um, and our most recent space that we've been trying to lease out is in Soma. Um, so we are constantly being called by different small businesses who are interested in different types of uh, spaces and providing different services. And we've also talked to a lot of different brokers in uh, the financial district and Transbay. So um, we don't right now know exactly what type of use is going to be coming into these spaces, but we do have um, relationships with groups that like umbrella, small business umbrella groups, and also, um, you know, uh, East Cut CBD that works with a lot of businesses. So we continue to develop those relationships and um, have have started to do a, fa a fair amount. But we, you know, in the next two years is when we uh, go further in, in depth into those relationship building initiatives. I really appreciate the intentionality of Mercy Housing having, um, you know, reduced rate rentals um, for commercial space. Um, however, I do remember that it was very hard to fill a lot of the retail spaces in the Mercy Housing Development down in Mission Bay. Um, there were certain specific units that were carved out or um, made in such a way in which um, it basically remained vacant for a very, very long period. And, um, I remember the, I can't remember her name now, but she was really awesome in terms of getting small businesses into the mission based space, but it was still really difficult um, in two specific spaces. So, um, and whatever ways that the project team can really work to cultivate um, relationships and also talk with people prior so that the build out is not done after. Um, that seems to be a big challenge for small businesses is that they get the space once it's released instead of working in partnership with businesses beforehand to see what their needs are. Um, example, coffee shops, et cetera, they need um, floor drainage. Um, they need other amenities like that. Um, a kitchen or a restaurant would need a hood, et cetera. Those are not things that a lot of businesses want to or can in this um, economic climate invest in, especially in a new property. So I would love to see some work being done around that um, and being more intentional about how the space is carved up so that we don't end up with a bunch of um, empty spaces or we fill most of it and then have like two or three units that are basically no one wants to move into because it doesn't fit any of their business needs. Uh, you're um, singing music to my ears. Uh, you know, this is the the big push that we're making is to build out our spaces as much as possible. And we are trying to support BIPOC-owned, women-owned, immigrant-owned businesses, and they do not have the capital to put upfront um, money into the build out. So we are aiming to build out as warm shell as possible to make it really easy for small businesses to come in have as little work to do as possible and provide a tenant improvement allowance reimbursement to them or even connect them to zero interest loans for that initial uh, capital. So um, yes, there that is definitely what we're doing on all of our new projects. Um, and I wish we had done it for Mission Bay. Thank you so much. Um, no further questions.
Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. Um, I want to actually thank Commissioner Lundum for his question regarding the the units. Um, um, it's almost uh, uh, when we talk about family housing. And, uh, anyway, you all got it from him, so you know what, he, what we're talking about, what we're asking for. Um, I have a question regarding the materials. Um, you talked about it being sort of um, pre-made concrete. Um, when I think of concrete buildings, I think of the new federal building that looks horrible um, and looks like a prison. Um, and for those of you that are new or even folks who've been around a long time, um, I'm, I always talk about what's the wow factor. And when we think of uh, affordable housing, um, I always say that we, you know, folks who live in affordable spaces should have a wow place as well. Um, and I'm, I'm concerned that, um, you know, as we begin to go down the road of the designs and all that stuff, that um, the texture would seem very cold uh, for a place uh, where we're trying to make it very warm and loving for seniors um, and, uh, and others. So I just throw that out there as a concern that I have um, when you're looking at materials and how it's going to look and feel. Uh, in a building, and um, so I don't know if anybody could address that for me right now. Thank you, Commissioner Sade. Would you uh, would you be able to provide a response? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thanks, thanks for the que uh, question, Commissioner. Um, uh, we we agree with you uh, entirely on the the federal building, and and we actually you know, there's lots of different ways of doing um, concrete. Uh, as, as we've proposed, and we showed them photos of that building and others to say, this is what we don't want. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that what well, we felt strongly that given all the glass towers around it and, and the feeling this building, the quality and character having a kind of masonry, a richer uh, material, um, which concrete can give you if used correctly, was important to the kind of bringing it into a residential scale and feel. Um, and to your point, we've really used, uh, been very careful and intentional about the colors, uh, having them be warm colors. You can see on the family building, the kind of orangey and um, green tones to that on the senior building, warm um, uh, and browns and tans. Um, so not having it be that kind of cold gray concrete. And then also looking really closely, working with the um, uh, the fabricator right from the get-go to get as much depth and texture into the actual materials as possible um, so that we don't have that kind of smooth, very flat. I think one of the you know, problems on the federal building, for instance, is very smooth and flat. There's almost no relief or depth mm -hmm. going on and it's kind of the gray, grayish um, uh, colors. So. Uh, I think we we share your concern and and are going to really be focused on on addressing it because we don't want it to end up in any way uh, related to that either. But we do feel like having that masonry kind of solidity and um, and uh, just that feel of something that's that's more in the stone kind of brick uh, character uh, will make it more residential. Okay, great. Um, that's good to hear because if you've ever been inside of the federal building, it's worse. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, feels I have like, been. Yeah. it feels like a prison and it's, yeah. I've, I would never want to work in that building. It would just be too depressing. Absolutely. No, I, we, we share, we share the, okay. uh, the concern yeah. and, and really will work to ensure that it 
that is not what we end up with. Great. And like I said, I've always asked, what's the wow factor? You know, what's what's going to make it so that people are like, wow, I, I would want to live here and, and be part of this community. So I appreciate that. Um, so commissioners, we will need to take separate actions on each of these items. Um, so we will start with items. Number Mr. Mr. Chair. Yes. May I ask one more question? I'm sorry, my hand is raised. Um, if I can ask that because your concern is huge and in going back and touring some of our buildings um, when they use um, less expensive, we'll say that, materials, uh, the building tends to look old and it tends to deteriorate real quick and it looks just terrible and it costs more to repair, repaint. Um, also on the inside, as Chair Busto said, um, when they use a glossy paint, it will last longer, always look new. If you use just the matte, it tends to, within no time, even as people are moving in, when they touch the walls, it starts deteriorating and looking poorly immediately. If you would, and it saves money to go that way. You don't have to repaint, repaint. It always looks fresh, clean, and new. And uh, so I just want to tag on to what Chair Busto said. If I could address the first item um, on the uh, the cost of the materials. Um, obviously, we're being careful with the cost. Uh, of course, but this uh, material was not selected based on on um, at the cost consideration. It was uh, um, selected really for the character and quality of the um, the you know the surrounding kind of all glass towers have a certain feel to them. And we felt like it was nice and important to have a contrast to that and to have a um, these these buildings feel a little bit more solid, a little more um, almost like durable in a way. And and the material was was really chosen for that feeling rather than the uh, you know a cost consideration. Um, on the paint, I don't know if there's anyone on the uh, maintenance operations side um, from either Mercy or CCDC who could address the uh, the interior paint. Um, but the interiors will be for <laughs> going back to the initial question from Commissioner Bustos. The interiors will be um, um, gypboard and painted. You have to insulate these and then have so to look and feel on the interior like a normal residential uh, apartment unit. It won't be exposed concrete like the federal building. Yeah, this is Owen Kennerly regarding the interior finishes. Typically on other affordable buildings, uh, Mercy requires that we do all the interiors in what's called eggshell finish, which is a washable finish. Um, and, it's, and it's common in bathrooms and kits, actually required in bathrooms and kitchens to be washable, but we use that on all surfaces so that all walls and case casing and trim work is all a washable finish and durable. Is that glossy? It's not, it's, it's not, not high gloss, but it's not flat. It's in the middle. It's like a, it's like a, um, like almost like a, um, a low luster, but it has some glossiness to it. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's glossy enough that you can actually wash it. That when you get into higher glosses, glossiness, um, it reveals some of the imperfections in the wall finishes. And so you see like the seams between gypboard panels and so forth. So we want to avoid that as well. So it's a, it's a, 
sort of a trusted way of um, of uh, finishing the insides of these buildings that Mercy has been happy with over the years. So. And it'll be a similar um, solution on the on the CCDC and on the senior housing. Thank you. Great, thank you, Commissioner. So we will start at uh, item number five C. I will need a motion as well as a second. May I have a motion for item number five C? Mr. Chair, yes. I move. I move that we approve of adopting okay. environmental review findings for. Resolution number 39-2022. Thank you, Commissioner. May I have a second? I would second that motion, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Lundum. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5C when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett? Aye. Commissioner Ludlam? Aye. Commissioner Scott? Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Commissioner Bustos? Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5C is four ayes, one absent. Thank you, the motion carries. Now may I get a motion and a second for item number 5D. Mr. Chair, I yes. move that we approve the report to the Board of Supervisors on the amendment to the redevelopment plan, resolution number 40, 2022. Thank you, may I have a second? I would second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5D when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Chair Bustos. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5D is four ayes, one absent. Thank you, motion carries. May I get a motion and a second for number item 5E as an Edward? Mr. Chair, I move that we approve an amendment to the redevelopment plan for the Transbay Redevelopment Project area in connection with the development of a mixed-use residential project on Block 2 of Zone 1, Resolution 4041. Resolution number 41-2022. Sorry, sir. Thank you, Commissioner. May I have a second? Second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5E when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett? Yes. Commissioner Ludlam? Aye. Commissioner Scott? Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Commissioner Bustos? Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5E is four ayes, one absent. Thank you. Motion carries. Commissioners, may I get a motion as well as a second for item number 5F as in Frank? Chair, I would move to approve item 5F, uh, approving the amendment to the development controls and design guidelines. Thank you, Commissioner Ludlam. May I have a second? I second that. Thank you, Commissioner. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5F when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Chair Bustos. Aye. 
Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5F is four ayes, one absent. Thank you, motion carries. Commissioners, may I get a motion as well as a second for item number 5G? Mr. Chair, I move that we conditionally approve the schematic design of a mixed-use affordable housing project of approximately 184 rental units, resolution number 43, 2022. Thank you, Commissioner. May I have a second? I would second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner Ludlam. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5G when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Yes. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent. Chair Bustos. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5G is four ayes, one absent. Thank you. The motion carries. Finally, Commissioners, may I get a motion as well as a second for item number 5H? Mr. Chair, I move that we conditionally approve the schematic design of a mixed-use affordable housing project of approximately 151 rental units for seniors and resolution number 44-2022, sir. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? I would second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner Ludlam. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5H when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett? Yes. Commissioner Ludlam? Aye. Commissioner Scott? Aye. Vice Chair Rosales is absent and Chair Bustos. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5H is four ayes, one absent. Thank you, the motion carries. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you, staff. Uh, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item six, public comment on non-agenda item. Mr. Chair. Madam Secretary, do we have anybody from the public who wishes to provide a comment? If there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on non-agenda items, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2484-827-0132, press the pound sign and then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star then three on your mobile devices to be placed in the queue. If you're already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment, please press star three. Mr. Chair, it does not appear there are any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Hearing no request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item seven, report of the chair. Mr. Chair. There is nothing to report. Please call the next item. The next order of business is item eight, report of the executive director. Item 8A is an informational memorandum on the certificate of preference program, descendants update. Discussion, Director Koslowski. Thank you, Secretary Cruz and greetings members of the commission once again and members of the public. Dora Koslowski for the record. Uh, 
Under my report today, I'm going to cover a couple of items. I'm going to start with a couple of community events that are happening in our project areas that I thought would be of interest to you. Um, last week, myself and Benjamin Brandon, who's the Trans Bay project manager, attended a fundraiser for the East Cut Community Benefits District. Um, as you're aware, they, they will be helping um, operate or will be operating the under ramp park area of the Trans Bay uh, area, which is going to be a park that's going to be developed over the next couple of years. Uh, they've going through a process calling it the sports and dog park, um, and they have to fundraise for the operations. And so we attended a fundraiser and just spoke to uh, OCII's efforts in trying to construct the park and um, working with the Trans Bay Joint Powers Authority and Caltrans to get it done. So that was good that they're fundraising for the operations because they will be the future operator of that park. I want to thank uh, Ben uh, for the efforts on that. Uh, so that was last week. Also uh, tomorrow, there'll be a graduation uh, for City Build Academy at 55 Fillmore at the offices of the Electrical Union Local 6 at 530. And those will be graduates of the City Build Training Academy. Uh, that, of course, is of interest to us because of the construction workforce hiring that we do through our projects. Also on November 5th and 6th, Artspan will be having open studios for artists at the Greyhound building in the Trans Bay Terminal area. Um, and I wanted to thank Aaron Foxworthy and Jasmine Quo and our agency who uh, let us know about these events. Um, secondly, I wanted to talk about uh, the OCII website. Uh, we've been working for a couple of different years um, over the since 2018, I believe, um, to revamp the website, to make it much more user-friendly, to have it be more interactive, uh, to put additional detail up there and refine sort of the outdated look that it currently has. We hope to launch that this week and uh, we'll let you know when it goes live. Um, I think over the over the years, you've all seen different versions of it, but the final version um, will be launched this week. So I want to let the commission uh, know about that as well. And then finally, I wanted to provide an update and now we can have a discussion about it, about an update of the Certificate of Preference Program, uh, specifically the descendant legislation implementation. Um, we have Pam Sims, who is a development specialist, senior development specialist here with OCI who will assist me. But in 2021, uh, members of the commission and members of the community organized to get Assembly Bill 1584 passed at the state, which provided a statewide af affordable housing preference for folks who are descendants of displacees from redevelopment uh, actions. And we're going through a process of implementing it. In August, Dr. Scott, Commissioner Scott, asked for an update on what that descendant uh, preference implementation, how that was going. And so we prepared this uh, informational memorandum to let you know what, what is the status of that. Uh, if Pam is on, I believe she is, if she could just give a, some additional detail to the commission. Pam. Hello, Chair Bustos, Commissioners, Executive Director Kozlowski. Um, I'm Pam Sims, Senior Development Specialist in the Housing Division. And again, this is in response to Commissioner Scott's question in August of this year. Um, so, as um, Director Kozlowski explained, AB 1584 passed in 2021. It became effective in January 2022. 
Um, and since that time, the COP committee, OCI staff, and MOCD staff have been working together to work on city legislation to expand the descendant preference to include city-funded affordable housing units, which are not currently covered by the state law. And after MOCD staff um, has gathered as much information as possible on all the households that have been um, displaced from all the different project areas, MOCD staff will work with OCI to determine the approximate universe of individuals that might qualify for a descendant preference. And while the expansion um, was effective as of January 1st, the program will not be formally launched until 2023. But MOCD has been accepting um, and processing applications since January. Um, and to qualify for a certificate, MOCD requires a series of birth certificates connecting individuals to the originally displaced household member, which typically is on a site occupancy record. Once a descendant is qualified, they receive a certificate of preference, which provides a priority preference in lotteries and wait lists for the San Francisco Redevelopment Agency or OCAI affordable housing units. And as I previously stated, descendants cannot currently receive a preference in MOCD funded affordable housing units until the Board of Supervisors approves legislation to expand the preference in city funded developments. Um, MOCD staff explains to qualified individuals that MOCD may be accepting the descendant preference in MOCD funded units in 2023 if the legislation is adopted. Also, MOCD staff explains that specific language is included in each Dahlia listing if it is compatible with the descendant preference. Finally, in addition to the email notification through the email list server, Sonia McDaniel, the COP specialist who you've all met before, um, emails the internal list of approved descendants notifying them that their certificate can be used to receive a priority. So there's multiple ways that individuals who have qualified for a descendant preference certificate, how they can use that certificate. And as of September 27th, MOCD has received 130 applications for, for, for the descendant preference. 43 certificates have been issued, 38 denied, and 40 applications are still being processed. So it is definitely a work in progress. Thanks. Thank you. Mr. Director, anything else you'd like to add before we go to public comment? Chair Bustos, thank you. That's the end of my report. Thank you, Director. Madam Secretary, do we have anybody from the public who wishes to provide a comment? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on item 8A, please call 415-655-0001. Enter 2484-827-0132. Press the pound sign and then the pound sign again to enter the call. Then press star three to submit your request to speak. If you're already on the phone and would like to provide public comment, please press star three on your mobile devices. Mr. Chair, it does not appear there are any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Okay, hearing no request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. 
Um, and commissioners, um, are there any questions related to the executive director's report? Hearing yes. oh, what was that? Yes. Okay, Commissioner Bracco. Um, I just had a really quick question. Just wanted to thank um, OCII team for their work on this and also um, other departments like MOHCD who's been working on this. Um, I did have a quick question. Um, it sounds like we were able to get about a third of the applicants approved for um, their COP certificate, um, but it also seems like about a third of them also got rejected. Um, is there an explanation for the rejections? Or are we seeing certain patterns of um, why um, certain people's applications are being rejected? Like, is it not enough information, um, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I'll take that, Director Kozlowski. Um, primarily the reason, and thank you, Commissioner, for that question. Uh, primarily the reason that the um, applicants are being denied at this time is because they're just not providing um, adequate documentation and or the lineage um, to a displaced household member cannot be proved proven at this time. So um, they either have to provide, they can always come back, provide additional documentation and their application will be reconsidered. So um, you're, you're absolutely right, Commissioner. It's just that uh, adequate information hasn't been provided to MOCD yet. Commissioner Brackett, if I could add, um, as you know, we are working closely with MOHCD staff and I think as because this is still new in terms of applicants being uh, received by MOHCD, um, uh, we'll be looking for a different pattern and see if there's places we can provide support or different additional information in the process so people who actually do qualify can actually qualify. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Commissioner Scott. Yes, I, I do hope we stay on top of this because we've worked with people that have qualified and then right at the end, they're told they didn't qualify and yet everything proves they are qualified. And we know personally the family in many of the cases and wanna make sure they're informed and very clear about the information that they can come back around and we are working on maybe making better our way of clearing them and qualifying them. Um, we need ongoing information about the fact that phase one is, you know, approved and it's moving forward. Phase two, this is what the public does not know that there are two phases. That needs to continue to go out and be very clear that it's phase two that's holding a lot of people up from getting housing as well. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. Anybody else? All right, um, thank you, um, Director Zaslowski for the report. Uh, Pam, thank you so much for all your hard work. Um, I'm glad you are here and and on top of it, um, I know your commitment to this. And so uh, the questions from the commissioners, um, uh, I know that everyone will take this to heart and um, maybe we can provide at our next meeting some updates 
if not the next one, um, then be the one after that. That would be really wonderful. Thank you. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item nine, commissioners questions and matters, Mr. Chair. Uh, commissioners, any questions or matters you'd like to bring up at this moment? Uh, matter, I've gone to uh, quite a few meetings and community leaders have asked uh, how hard are we working towards training, instructing, mentoring, grooming, or preparing our people for housing, home ownership. And they said they don't see enough of that happening. And the few places that are doing this help and support are overwhelmed. So have we thought about making sure there are resources that we can point people to where there is staff available, capable, because the thing is we send them to places they can't get an answer, the workers are overwhelmed, and the list is too long, or they just can't get in on it. So um, have we thought about what to do to help remedy that, support it better? Let's see. We can't get in a major discussion because it's not an agenda. That's yeah. That's what that's, I was, uh -huh. Mr. Chair, if I may. Yes. Uh, just briefly, Commissioner Scott. Um, as you know, the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development provides financial uh, support and contracts with the housing support agencies. Uh, it's probably a good idea for. Uh, us to get an update from them, perhaps another informational memorandum summarizing uh, the list of services that are provided, the number of people served per year, et cetera, and get some detail uh, via them. Uh, perhaps they can even come uh, under a director's report and, and speak to that. But let me let myself and Pam and Elizabeth Colomello uh, work on that and get you something uh, soon. Thank you. Thank you. Hearing and seeing no other commissioners willing wanting to bring anything up, um, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item 10, closed session. There are no closed session items. The next order of business is item 11, which is the adjournment. Mr. Chair. Commissioners, uh, we've had a great productive meeting. Thank you all for your participation. Uh, in particular, we wanna thank the staff for working, always working so hard. Uh, on behalf of the people of this wonderful city. Um, we wanna thank you and thank you to those who presented. So with that, uh, may I have a motion to adjourn and a second? Mr. Chair, I move that we adjourn. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. I second. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Brackett. So we will adjourn this meeting at 2.34 p.m. Thank you all for being a part of this and thank you to the members of the public for listening and watching us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you everyone.